Morning, everybody. Um, our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 to 30, 13. Um, this is just after, after um, or as Isaiah is being appointed as a prophet um, for God. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and they close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remain in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as for the terebinth and oak, leaves, oak leaves stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. And the second reading is from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 25. This is a series of um, things that happen as Jesus is going about his ministry. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Maudlin, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that, though seeing they may not see, and though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. 
But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be made will not be known and brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came up on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The master, the disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Good morning. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the ministers here. A company in the city asked their uh, workers to come in to the city for a, for a meeting in the office. And so one worker called in sick because he hated going into the city. One worker thought he'd ride, but he got sideswiped on Lower Northeast Road and he, he didn't make it. Another worker, she decided she'd drive her car, but she got caught up on North Terrace traffic quite close to the office, but missed the meeting. And finally, another worker took the O-Bahn, got into work, quite relaxed, 30 minutes early, and made it to the meeting. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because it's really important that you hear what I'm saying. Okay? Take it to heart. Don't miss it. It's super important. Now, if I just told you that parable, right, and sat down straight away, if, if that was all you heard from me, what impact would it have on your life? Probably none. Well, maybe tomorrow you, you might think twice about writing. But chances are, if I, if I sat down right now after telling you that parable, you'd be thinking, that was weird, and I'm not sure what he meant. So do you want to hear the, the, the meaning, what I meant? It's actually meaningless, sorry. <laughs> it's a bit cruel to do that. But, but I wanted, what I wanted us to experience was what it must have been like for that crowd hearing Jesus for most of the people listening to Jesus, that's, that's the experience it would have been for them. Most of them would have suspected that there was a, a deeper meaning somehow to what, what Jesus was saying. But most of them never would have found out what it was. Now imagine it. You know, you've, worked, you've walked hours, maybe days even, to hear this teacher, Jesus you took Friday off so you could kind of have the long weekend so you could get there in time and then get back again. 
And then at, at work on Monday on the farm, your workmates say to you, you say, how was it? What did Jesus have to say? And you say, well, he said, if you sow soil, a seed on good soil, it'll produce a good crop. And they'd look at you and they'd say, well, I could have saved you the trip. I could have told you that. Now, if that's all the crowd walks away with, that, that would have been the experience for so many. Even if they're thinking there's probably a deeper meaning here, then they've missed the point. But the irony is that Jesus' point in the parable that he's telling that we're looking at today is exactly that. His point is most people are going to stay in the crowd and miss the point. What we, we see in today's passage is that Jesus is not interested in gathering a massive crowd. He's not interested in a, a massive, passive, faceless, uninvested crowd of, of consumers. That's not what he's on about. Jesus is interested in building a kingdom, not a crowd. And we see he's on about a kingdom where he makes his people ridiculously fruitful. A kingdom where he brings his people into the inner circle so that they even know what God's plans are. And a kingdom where he considers his people family, his mother and his brothers. And in some ways to us, um, parables, they can seem kind of mysterious, don't you reckon? But what we're going to see today is... is the meaning is actually quite simple. Jesus is, is telling the crowd who's in God's kingdom and he's telling them at the same time how they're in God's kingdom. And we see this play out across this passage in, in three parables. But we're actually going to cheat before we, we look at the parables. We're, we're going to jump straight to where Jesus gives the key to unlock their meaning. Because I, I don't know about you, but I hate riddles. You know, people who tell riddles, I, I just find it so irritating. Cause, mostly because it makes me feel so unintelligent. I can never kind of figure out what they're talking about. But thankfully, the key to what Jesus is talking about in these parables, the key is not being smart or good at riddles. The key is not even being really spiritual. Look at verse 10, where, where Jesus tells his disciples what the key is. Well, okay. Not quite yet. <laughs> We've uh, jumped ahead. Do you want to jump back to... Not there? Oh, there's nothing in there. All right, you just grab your Bibles out. That's a good idea. Or your phone. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 10. Have a look where, just, where Jesus tells his disciples the key. He says... The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. See that in verse 10? The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And do you see what they've been given? It's not a special insight based on how clever they are or having, you know, these, these people here, they've got no idea what the parable is about. They have a special insight based on the fact that they can walk up to Jesus and say, I don't get it. What does it mean? Do you see the key? The key is Jesus. He's the, the key that, 
unlocks for them not only the meaning of the parable, but he unlocks for them the secrets of the kingdom of God for them. Now, some people, when they you know, think of Jesus telling parables, they think his parables are all about giving really simple explanations that everyone can understand. But Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't see his parables doing that. He sees them doing something quite different. Look again at verse 10. He says, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others... I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Now, this is where Jesus is quoting Isaiah 6, and it's where Isaiah is told that his message is going to be ignored by most people and only received by, by a tiny remnant. Jesus is saying that his parables are similar, they're, they're like a sieve. He's saying his parables separate people into those who see in Jesus the key to God's kingdom and and come to him from those who see in Jesus whatever they want to see and stay in the crowd. Have you ever wondered why it is that people can be presented with exactly the same information about Jesus and just respond completely differently? Why is it that in Luke 7, which we saw last week, Simon the Pharisee can be so unmoved by Jesus, while the woman who's a sinner can be so beautifully moved by Jesus, seeing the same person, hearing the same things? Why are their responses so different? I remember many years ago, I went to see The Passion of the Christ when it came out at the movies um, with a friend who was a, a Hindu guy. And for all the flaws of that movie, still I couldn't help but see the the enormity and the beauty, the wonder that in Jesus God would be offering the sacrifice of himself for sinful, selfish humanity. I, I just was blown away by it. And at one point I thought my friend was blown away by it too. He just had his head in his hands. And I asked him um, about it afterwards and he said, No, no, he just couldn't handle the gore of the movie. On the one hand, I understand it. It was was way too gory. But on the other hand, I just couldn't understand how he could not be moved by Jesus. How is it that people can go along to something like our life series where we see the evidence for Jesus from the evidence of why anything exists at all to the evidence of design in our world through the evidence of objective morality through the evidence for jesus outside the bible from the eyewitnesses in the bible then add to that the character of jesus the difference he makes in the world the way he's changed the world the way he makes sense of life in the universe the evidence of the way he's at work in in the lives of people answering prayer changing people and i find myself thinking how can people hear this evidence about jesus And not be moved by him? Or how is it that some people can walk with Jesus for a time, but then walk away from him? Now on the one hand, it's quite right that we would be baffled by this. But what we see today is that Jesus is not at all shocked by this. In fact, right up front, Jesus' message to us is that most of us, most of us, 
You're going to miss the message. Have a look at this, this first parable as we get into it, where Jesus explains this. Look, look at verse 11. He says, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And by the word of God here, Jesus, he doesn't so much mean the Bible, like we sometimes talk about the Bible, like the word of God. He's meaning God's message, which he's going about proclaiming. God's message about the kingdom. So in other words, Jesus' message in this parable is all about how his message is received. It's kind of a bit meta, if you think about it. And we see the first way it can be received in verse 12. Jesus says, those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Jesus is saying here, some people just don't respond at all. But yet, it's not necessarily because they don't understand it. Can you see that? It's not necessarily just because they forget it. Do you see what happens? The message is stolen from their hearts, not their minds. The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So the person who, who scoffs when they hear Jesus' message and think, thinks, what a load of rubbish. And the person who hears Jesus' message and thinks, isn't that nice, but then does nothing more with it. What they both have in common is that an evil that they don't even acknowledge has taken from them their only hope of believing and being saved. I reckon we've all experienced this, haven't we? We've, we've, we've seen this happen to people. Even last week, you know, we heard of Jesus who forgives and accepts the sinful woman, the woman. And I could think, wow, isn't Jesus amazing? But if that's as far as his message takes me, it's actually because the devil has stolen the deeper message from my heart. You know, we can trample the message of Jesus with arrogance, but we can also trample it by refusing to give, to give it the attention that it deserves. And Jesus is telling us here that that's exactly what so many people do. Jesus' root doesn't take, his message doesn't take root with most people because the devil lifts the truth from our hearts so that we can't feel the weight of it and we stay stuck right where the devil wants us. Just by the way, do you see what you're involved in when, when what we're doing, what Tab was talking about, when we're scattering the seed, telling people about Jesus? Do you see what it is that we're involved in? It's something supernatural. We shouldn't be surprised when people are not moved by Jesus. And as we, we, we try to plant in people's hearts the, the truth that Jesus is who he says he is, not only shouldn't we be surprised that the devil doesn't want that and will try and take that from their hearts, we shouldn't be surprised when the devil tries to work on our hearts as well. I see it all the time, actually. Those who are most involved in telling people about Jesus are often the ones who are most, who experience hostility from the devil the most. And this is a bit like what we see in what comes next. We see that the downfall of some of those who seem to respond at first. So, so look at verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, 
but they have no root. They believe for a while, but the time, in the time of testing, they fall away. And we see here, it's not our initial response that marks us out as those who belong to the kingdom of God. Some people start strong, but they face a challenge and they don't last because they have no root. In other words, they haven't taken Jesus' message to heart, even if they look like they have. I remember a, um, a young Muslim guy uh, who became a, a Christian a few years ago. Um, I was reading the Bible with him and, and we got to that bit in John where Jesus is talking with the woman at the well. And he says if she had have asked, he would have given her living water. And this guy, he says to me, I want that water. It was, it was amazing to see the way that, that God was prompting his heart. I'd never had anyone sort of speak like that. This guy, like a lot of Muslims, he'd had a dream where he saw Jesus shining and beckoning him in his dream, saying, come, come follow me. And this guy, he started strong. But then one day, his dad stalked him on his phone and saw that he'd gone to church in the evening at Trinity City. And he said to him later, you know, if you were to follow Jesus, I would kill you. And then... A couple of weeks later, his girlfriend said to him, who was also a Muslim, you know, if you became a Christian, I would dump you. And sadly, in that intense time of testing, he fell away. But you know then, for other people, it's not even that hot, not like that, and they fall away. You know, they, they joyfully take on Jesus' message, but then life just doesn't go as smoothly or as excitingly as they were hoping it would and they feel a bit flat. And sadly, they fall away. Or their husband or their wife doesn't respond to the message too like they hope that they would. And they fall away. Or someone gets sick and God doesn't heal them like they hope he would. Or someone that they respect just laughs at them for their faith and they fall away. And every time it happens, I don't seem to be expecting it. But right up front, Jesus tells us here, we shouldn't be surprised when it happens. But you know, if someone falls away, the reason is never because of how big the challenge is that they're facing. The reason is always because they haven't taken to heart properly who it is they've come face to face with when we come to Jesus. If we take Jesus and his, his, his message fully to heart, We'll stand no matter how great the challenge is that we face. Next, Jesus says in verse 14, the seed that falls among thorns stands for those who hear it, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Some of us seem to grow quite well, face the heat quite well, but eventually the truth comes out in our lives that what has our heart is, is not Jesus and his message, but somewhere along the line, our hearts have been won by all the things around us, riches and riches, and all the things that we could chase after like everyone else. Now, for us sitting here today, being sieved by Jesus' parable, surely this is, for, for us, this has got to be the one that would make us most uncomfortable. I mean, do you feel your heart drawn to other things? I do. 
you feel your love for Jesus at times feeling like it's being choked by other things. And again, the, the problem is not that other things are just so worth loving and so amazing. The problem is we haven't taken to heart properly who we come face to face with when we come to Jesus. If we take his message fully to heart, we'll see no other love can compare to him. Finally, in this parable, Jesus says in verse 15, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. It sounds a little bit like Jesus is saying that his message will only grow in those who already have a noble and good heart. Sounds a little bit like that on the surface, doesn't it? But that's not what he's saying. I mean, if we keep in mind what's just happened in in the verses before this, like last week we saw Jesus' message takes root in the heart of a sinful woman, but not in a righteous do-gooder like Simon. What what Jesus is saying here is, is the heart response that he loves to see, the heart response he considers great, is people hearing his message, but more than that, retaining it, And even more than that, persevering in it. Jesus loves hearts that are like that. Hearts that keep looking to him. Because it's in people who come to him like that, that he will produce a crop. A really good harvest back then would be something like 30-fold. That would be an amazing year. And so when Jesus says 100-fold is the harvest, this is a supernatural harvest. In this parable, Jesus is saying, Take to heart his message, come to him wholeheartedly, persevere with him, and he will bear fruit in your life for all eternity. So that's the first parable. It's all about taking Jesus' word to heart, and it's all about those who won't take his word to heart as well. Look at the second parable, though. In verse 16, Jesus says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Jesus is saying here that even though he might speak in parables, what he really wants for the crowd is for people to step into the light. That's what he wants. And in verse 18, he tells us what this should mean for us. He says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. It's a similar message to the first parable. What we might think we know about God and his kingdom doesn't really matter in the end. What really matters is how we listen to Jesus, the key to God's kingdom. And the third parable is kind of a lived out parable because Jesus' family, they turn up and they can't get to him because of the crowd. And Jesus uses it as an opportunity to get his message across. And he he says at verse 21, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Jesus wants a family who take him and his message to heart and put it into practice. Now, these three parables, they're all pretty much saying the same thing. What matters in God's kingdom is not being in the crowd. What matters is Jesus and his message 
and taking his message and him fully, truly, deeply into our hearts. Back at the, um, the start of this chapter, we, we actually see a, a bit of a glimpse of, of the kind of kingdom that Jesus is on about building. Have a look at it again with me back in verse 1. We read, after this, Jesus travelled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. And Jesus, he, he travels with 12 men. That's not surprising. But Luke draws attention here to the fact that Jesus also travels with women. This is, we can miss this, but this is radically different for, for back then. Rabbis back then wouldn't even talk to women in public. Some of them wouldn't even talk to their wives in public. But as Jesus proclaims God's kingdom from town to town... The kingdom of God he's building is not like the kingdoms of this world. He values people within his people, men and women. He values people from low social, low social, low social positions and people like Joanna from high um, positions. And what we see here in this people that he's gathering, this kingdom that he's building, it's not a, a passive faceless crowd sitting back and consuming like an audience. All of these men and women have left something behind. All of them have left family behind. Some have probably left children or grandchildren behind. These women have given up their time and their money. Here we see men and women together growing the kingdom of God. Here we see men and women whose lives are producing fruit who have stepped into the light and are fully engaged in God's plans, people that Jesus considers mothers and brothers and sisters. This is a glimpse of, of what it looks like to come to Jesus and to take his message to heart wholeheartedly. So what does it look like for us? What do we do with this today? Because on the one hand, we could hear this and, and we could say, can I really change what soil I am? You know, if I'm the path, can I really change that? Or if I'm the rocky soil, well, that's just my fate, isn't it? It's not like Jesus' point here. He doesn't say anywhere, go and make yourself good soil. Go and get some compost into you. You know, there's, there's nothing like that here. Now, on the one hand, that's, this is true. In the end, it, it's not actually us who produce the crop. In the end, it's God who produces the crop in us by Jesus. But across this whole passage, what is it that Jesus directs the crowd and his disciples to do? Have a look again. In verse 8, he says to the crowd, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Or in verse 18, he says, consider carefully how you listen. Do you see what matters here? The question is, do you have ears to hear? Does your heart tell you Jesus is worth listening to? If it does, then we should make sure that we're listening properly. 
Let's think about some of the things that Jesus told us here. Jesus has told us here that the devil would love to stop us listening. That should make us sit up and listen properly to Jesus. Jesus tells us here that really it's not a matter of if we will face a time of testing, but when. That should make us sit up and listen properly. Are you ready for that day? Maybe when you get diagnosed with cancer or you lose your job or a relationship breaks down or your child walks away from God or who knows what. None of us know what sort of heat we're going to face in life. But in some ways that doesn't really matter. In some ways it's not the heat that we face. What matters is whether our roots have gone down deep. So that when we're facing the heat, are we drawing on Jesus? On his message, on what he did for us on the cross, on his character, on his spirit present within us. Jesus also tells us here that, that life's worries and riches and pleasures can choke out our love for him. That should make us sit up and listen. I mean, if we have ears to hear Jesus, we should make sure we hear him on this. We shouldn't risk letting other loves choke out our love for Jesus. We should make sure our love for Jesus leaves no room for idols in our hearts. How are you going at that? Maybe if living for for money is pulling on your heart, start giving it away. Maybe if your heart is, is, is drawn to live through your kids, through their achievements or their happiness or their popularity. You probably can't give them away. But you can give up trying to live through them and their fleeting happiness. These women, Mary and Joanna and Susanna and the the 12 men, I'm sure some of them must be away from kids and grandkids surely to be there with Jesus were they wrong to do that were they wrong to teach their children as they did that that Jesus should have their hearts should have our hearts no because he should is that what we're teaching our kids that Jesus has our hearts and Jesus should have their hearts too or are we teaching them that sport or part-time work, or study, or friendship, or popularity should have their hearts. If we can hear that Jesus is worth listening to, let's make sure we are those who listen properly. Let's make sure our love for Jesus leaves no room for idols in our hearts. Is an unhealthy relationship pulling you away, your heart away from Jesus? Are you using someone to feel good about yourself? Flirting with someone at work that you shouldn't be, enjoying their attention. How is your love for Jesus leaving no place for other loves to grow that aren't healthy? Whatever weeds would have our heart, what will choke them out is coming to Jesus, letting him and his message have our heart. Straight after these parables... Jesus shows those who've come to him why he's worth coming to. 
He shows them his, his word is not empty. They see the power of his word as he commands the winds and, and the raging waters and without hesitation, they obey him. And what we see next week is Jesus overpowers evil. He overpowers sickness. He even overpowers death itself. Jesus confirms that what he's telling us here in the parables is true. The key to the kingdom of God is coming to him. The key to seeing the world right, seeing ourselves right, seeing what God is on about right, is seeing who is this man? Who is this man, Jesus? If you can hear that he's worth listening to, then make sure you listen to him wholeheartedly. Let me pray for us. Father, um, we thank you so much for Jesus, for the way that he considers us worth fighting for and comes to this world to do exactly that. Lord, we pray that um, you would be at work in our hearts, that you would open our ears to see that Jesus is worth listening to. And we pray, Lord, we would be individuals and the people who listen. Lord, help us not to take what he says lightly, but to really take it to heart, to see that his words and who he is are astounding. Here is someone with power over creation, over evil, over sickness, over death itself. Lord, help us to see that with his words, Jesus longs to give us life and make us a part of your kingdom, fruitful. Those who know your plans and those he considers mothers and brothers and sisters. Lord, please work in our hearts so that we don't get choked out with other things, so that we can stand in the hard times. We need your spirit to be at work in us for this and we, we pray for his work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.